we welcome to the show Mac Forbes. Good morning, Mac. Morning, Sean. How are things? Going well, Mac. Thank you. It's been a little while since we've had you on the show, so uh, apologies for that. No, it's not a problem. I was trying to think when the last time was, actually. It must yeah. be a couple of years ago. Oh, no, I don't reckon it's been that long. But, um, really? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't know. I would hope it's not that long. <laughs> <laughs> time, time plays tricks. Time does, indeed. Um, so how, how are things going uh, with you guys? You, you've got the cellar door set up now and... We, well, no, well, we haven't actually got the cellar door anymore. We uh, we had the grace burn in, in yep. the centre of Hillsville and middle of 21, we closed that down just with all the obvious you know yep. pressures that we're all experiencing. So um, we're just doing a few things, you know, either little pop-ups around, you know, town in Melbourne or out here and, and things at the winery as well. So um, a little bit less is more, hopefully. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I th- sorry, I thought... Um I thought you were putting something up at the uh, at the winery. Um, oh, we, we do it intermittently. Yeah. Okay. It's um. Oh well, that's something people need to keep um keep in touch with you to uh, to hear about when that's all happening, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um. So uh, now, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, and and I want to hear more about you know what else is happening with you guys, and you know the, you mentioned um pop-ups in Melbourne and things like that, so people definitely will want to know about that. Um, but y- you take fruit from uh, an up, from the upper Yarra and also the, the valley floor uh, Yarra. So um, tell us what your sort of likely timings are for, and the differences between those two. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a big game of Tetris and chess <laughs> and it's uh, – I mean, I look around the Yarra now and it's still green, as uh, anyone listening in Melbourne would you know, be able to confirm. It's been a pretty wet but reasonably warm summer. So I know all the, the weather predictions in early spring was warm and dry and we've ended up with certainly warmer conditions than the last you know, few years. But, um, gee, the rain, as we know, has been pretty amazing. So um, we've been sort of hesitating about being too too um, confident in our predictions but I think we're looking really around mid-feb for things to, to take off and as has become common commonplace for us instead of just starting on the valley floor you know which if, um, if people think about Coldstream and Yarra Glen and where the elevation's a bit lower and you, you sort of see that bottom of the, the valley there the, the old assumption was you'd start picking there and just move south gradually well um, what's proving to be you know I guess such a an exciting part of the Yarra is that there is no black and white or linear sort of progression as we've gained more experience with different pockets. So, you know, things like solar irradiation and elevation and changing soil types and the impact of wind and all of these things just mean we've got this incredibly complex, you know, backyard that we're, you know, gradually, you know, I guess gradually starting to understand a little bit more and um, at I think it makes for a pretty exciting future. Um, we actually had, you might remember Mark Heisman, who was at Yarra Yaring many moons ago, and he's now based in Burgundy. And we're just, he, he's out at the moment and saw him yesterday, and we're just talking about, you know, a lot of the challenges of, of seasonality, you know, that he's experiencing in Burgundy. And I thought, gee, we're, we're actually in a pretty good place here with just the massive array of, of pockets and subregions that um, are going to afford us a lot of, a lot of scope going forward to, you know, to keep making wines that, you know, in, in the style that we've we recognised now for Yarra Valley. Yeah. 
Um, so he's he said that they're really they're really noticing it. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's. I mean, for me, it always comes back heavily to the human factor and how we interpret things. So, yeah. um, you know, I think a lot of the things that we've been comfortable with for a long time with hot, dry conditions in certain years are, are things that are probably you know challenging the status quo a little more over there. Um, but he he also was resolutely um, positive about the future over there, but it's just uh, adapting practices to help cope yeah. and manage in, in increasingly extreme conditions. And actually acknowledge that, that there is a change and, and adapt rather than um, just ignore it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. They're a little more restricted over there, obviously, than we are here. But um, Yes. Exactly. That's, but that's I think just farming practices, he was talking about how much evolution he's seeing or the conversation that's starting to change. So what you can do to, you know, reduce soil temperatures, improve um, water holding capacity of soil. So things that don't necessarily need to be authorised and clearly the challenges over there if you've only got four rows surrounded by, you know, practices you don't agree with is that you're sort of heavily affected by your neighbours. Yeah, Whereas I guess here we've got better better scope to introduce the practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Hey, our listeners, um, as you know, I think um, uh, we've got the ability to text the question in and um, Christopher has texted the question in for you and it is around the Yarra Valley and the sub-regional aspect of it. And he's asking, do you think it'll ever be that sort of formally recognised to have the sub-regions? Hmm. Such a great question. And once again, I go back to people as the driving force and think of, you know, probably my mind goes to Italy and, you you know, we're, we're so in the throes right now with the Prosecco conversations that's mm. happened and wanting to have, you know, boundaries and definitions. And I think we are less likely in a culture and, and, um, and I say this after our very conformist attitudes in COVID, which I think will be, you know, great to reflect upon. But I think... Um, it's interesting how we would get to the point of defining. And so for me, I mean, I always hesitated about how we would proceed with this and for all the contradictions of just using township um, boundaries as the, you know, the, the, the boundary that we'd work within, knowing that it's not consistent with soils or, you know, any of the geographical or, or climatic influences, that it's still a starting point and an opportunity for people to connect with different pockets of the Yarra. So, mm. but then to get everybody to agree beyond anything, I think is going to be hugely problematic because of those contradictions that sit within each township. So yeah. uh, even just the, I mean, you look at the use of a village as a term and we've got our, our village range, which is quite clearly the boundary of each township is that village for us and any fruit from outside of that can't be classified under that that village name. So we've defined it for ourselves, but then you look at the number of other producers who use the term village and there's not a lot of consistency around it. Sometimes it's second tier or sometimes it's, yeah, a a standalone brand in its own right. So it's, um, I think people have probably invested too much already to feel that you know, sitting down at a table and, and all agreeing is, it feels like it, it's a fair way off. <laughs> but I'm happy to be challenged on those. But it's um, it's a fascinating part of our, it's, I think, even, I want to remind you that it's just 
how sparse the vineyard area and the vineyards themselves are in the Yarra. And I think people are right thinking we're just going to be wall-to-wall vineyards and that's where I guess you've got multiple producers saying, well, we're on this hill together and let's talk about the similarities. Whereas quite often here, I think we've got standalone vineyards in their own little microclimate and it's um, harder to have some of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, Christopher, hopefully that answers your question. Um, It it certainly did for me. Um, Hey, we've had another question, Mac, just while we're on these. Um, Yeah, great. Kim Kim is asking, how do we bring sexy back to Cabernet, Yarra Valley Cabernet? (laughs) That is, now that's the best question. (laughs) Um, I think Cabernet, and I still think proper Yarra Claret is the most, exciting wine that the Yarra's made to date and I think that holds true for today. I think Cabernet is a, a reference to the grape variety is a huge problem in that um, because I guess we've done such a great job of demystifying wine by putting the grape variety on the front. I think sometimes people place the importance of that over region and producer and, and that's where you look at Cabernet around Australia and it can be pretty you know, a bit blocky and a bit heavy in comparison. So this is a huge question for us because we do not want to see Cabernet sort of, you know, vanish from the landscape here, yet clearly Pinot's the sexy grape and, you, you know, other regions, people are talking about Grenache. And I'm, yeah, I'm a huge, uh, you know, advocate for these medium to lighter body Cabernets, which people often try and say, that can't be Cabernet. So I don't know, it's an interesting one. We've, like, and an interesting example of that is we've got all our vineyard team make wine have been making wine the last few years for themselves i think it's a a really Mm -hmm. um exciting and important part of you know just the the industry that we keep yeah i don't know some of the best wines in the last couple of years have been made by the vineyard guys making small batch and i said this year you know we've got some great little parcels of cabernet that have been offered to us would you be interested and they're like no it's cabernet and they're thinking, knowing already how hard it is to go out and sell small parcels yeah, right. um, in in the market. Anyway, they're like, it just it's just not cool enough in the market. So, I feel I feel it's got to be an embracing of of you know probably the the younger crew coming through the industry saying, well, actually, let's get back to to celebrating this and and you know whether it's um, I mean I remember when Timo released his um, whole bunch Cabernet and. And everyone said, you can't release young cabin with whole bunch. And, of course, Timo made it, you know, look amazing. <laughs> Timo will and can. Examples <laughs> like that go a long way to challenging preconceptions. But, um, yeah, I think it's just got to be a, an influx of people who really want to try to try different things with it and, and reintroduce it to the probably to the next generation. Well, yeah, and I think it needs to also be led by customers being interested to to re-engage with it and, and have a look at it now because mm-hmm. there's, as you say there's no no point you know getting people to make it if there's no appetite to um to buy it you know it's, i mean i even think about napa and uh and bordeaux and how they in a similar way got boxed in both by the wines they were producing and to i think by what the consumers then expected and to freshen those regions up um, has been heavily dependent on um, the next wave of producers coming through, accessing fruit that might be a bit 
well, Napa probably not a bit cheaper, but certainly, you know, Bordeaux, there's some good cheaper fruit around and cheaper vineyards. It's, you know, I think you can get some land there that's incredibly affordable in parts. And, yeah. and they're the ones coming in saying, right, we're not going to do the stuffy, need to wait 20 years before you drink it approach. We're just going to make some light, fresh styles. And, mm. um, you, you know, if you're over in California, you get to try a few of those and people are excited. And I think, you, you know, a similar thing starting to occur in Bordeaux. So, when Pinot fruit prices in the Yarra Valley are, you know, between four and six thousand dollars a ton, and Cabernet you can still get, you know, for high two thousands or whatever, surely that's also where the opportunity sits for Cabernet to get people coming and saying, well, we can afford that. Let's buy a little bit and have some fun. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a good point, isn't it? I mean, you know, you you certainly, you know, at half the price, it's uh, there's a there's a should be a real appeal to um. Mm-hmm. And and so is there plenty of uh, Cabernet out there that to to buy in a normal in a normal year? There's it's it's certainly around. I mean, it just become we get bogged down in this conversation, which I hate, which is all about the the byproduct of phylloxera. And I think the you know some of the pain for me is watching where Cabernet is being put out in what are really you know fantastic sites for Cabernet and. They're being replanted maybe with Pinot and the things that right now feel, you know, exciting and easy to sell. But we're not turning, well, we shouldn't be pulling vines out every, you know, five or ten years to to get onto the next trend. I think we should be hopefully taking a longer term view and and Mm. looking at suitability. So um, I'm sure there'll be a few young vineyards that have been planted for what's on trend now and then there'll be some reflection on what what we need to do longer term and Cabernet just knows how to cope with these warmer years being later ripening and so I think it will always hold its place and I think there is definitely Cabernet around now but there's probably less than there should be. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly I remember speaking with Dave Bicknell at one stage of a couple of years ago or a few years ago and he, you know, he he said, I really want to bring Yarra Cabernet back. You know, that yep. that was one of his passion points. So, um, passion projects. Um, so, yeah, well, there you go. So I think, uh, as you say, good question from Kim. Um, so we, as consumers, should be asking for it and, and looking for it. And then yeah. you guys will make it. Yeah, that's right. And I think just keeping an eye out for... You know, some of the new labels floating around, knowing that if people are... Sorry, you just, you just broke up there, man. Um, hey, Mac, you, you must be... Can you now? Uh, that's better now, yeah. So... Um, uh, hello. Hello, got you, I think. No. <laughs> uh, the wonders of technology, hey? Um, oh, there we go. We got to again, I think. Okay. Shall we keep trying? Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. Go back right. to what you were saying. Right. Um, yeah, I just think that, that it's keeping an eye out on all the any new labels um, from from people you may not have heard of, where they're looking to start a business or you know younger businesses where they see an opportunity with Cabernet, and you think, well, that's where fresh ideas, fresh perspectives definitely be worth checking out as well as you know i guess the reverence for the older more established estates in the yarra your mount mary's and yarringburgs that 
you know, have such a connection with, with their patch of dirt. Mm. Well, you know, just on, and we won't keep um, banging on about Cabernet necessarily, but um, the uh, what you said before about the fact that, um, you know, we, we want to make this, you know, lighter and fresher kind of style and, and not have to wait 20 years for it. I think that's, in a way, that's what society is looking for now is a bit more immediacy and and not having to wait all that time. So it kind of does play into the hand. Yes, and I think Yarra is one of those unique regions. And, I, you know, I think I, I don't know many regions where historically Cabernet has been approachable when young and then can age. And mm. it's striking that balance. I mean, I love watching wines evolve over time, but not many people feel they've got the luxury of putting aside, you know, X amount bottles every year. Mm. But if you manage to have a few that you forget about and they were delicious when young and then, you know, you dig them out a decade or two later and they're still drinking beautifully, um, that's kind of the ideal scenario, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, well, it's probably a project for everyone to uh, to put on the list for 2024. Um, Absolutely. Go Cabernet. Go Cabernet. And bring, it, bring sexy back. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, um, how, f- did I ask you this at the start? How long until you'll start, um, picking some varieties? Yeah, we're looking around mid Feb, I think. Um, we, uh, so it's really only a, a couple of weeks, two and a half, maybe. Yeah, exactly. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's color out there now, but we're not, we're not out tasting or sampling yet. Um, clearly if we have another, 80 or 100 mil, that might slow us down again. So um, I think it, it will be, yeah, I, I think it'll be in that third week of February somewhere and and then how quickly it all comes on, I guess we wait and see. But there's a bit more fruit than we've seen um, for the last couple of years, so that's exciting that's good, and yeah. it, looks, it looks so healthy and happy. I mean, I know we've had some amazing disease pressure with all this humidity, but it's not the first time we've had to deal with it and... I think just that um, that supply, and I think of, yeah, that the access to water has been overall really positive, um, and all our young vines just look so radiant. And they've, I was saying to someone the other day, it's like they've put on two years worth of growth in one season, really? which is yeah. pretty amazing as well. Um, that uh, yeah, that's amazing. It it certainly, as you said, you know, it's so green in the air. It's but as you know, I mentioned it earlier, even just in town, it's, you know, all the nature strips are still green and it just mm-hmm. would not normally be like this at the end of January. No, the weather patterns in Melbourne, and I know Australia's copying and probably the world all over, but um, when certain regions seem to be getting warmer and drier and we've just seen increased rain over the last five years and, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, what the future holds. I know I was speaking to a friend, Dylan Grigg, who's a, a Viti, and he's got his own little wine label in the Barossa. But he's he's a um, bit of an oracle for all things and in fine in the vineyards. And he'd been talking to some long-term weather forecasters, and they were saying, "Well, just prepare for what could be a very wet period until 2030 as well." So yeah. there's all sorts of predictions out there. Mm. And you really you can't you can't um, be too worried about that. You need to deal with what what's actually happening, don't you? Really, completely. Yep. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, future-proofing for us is a complicated discussion, but 
plant resilience and the ability for them to cope in you know a range of conditions is one of the key objectives yeah you know we spoke with Beck Hardy earlier um, and yep. and she was referencing um, Ben Riggs actually on this point but um, the, he was talking about um, partial uh, partial root zone watering which mm-hmm. um, to sort of encourage the roots to go deeper have you yep. you, you um, that's something is it something you do or it's certainly something you're well, aware no, of obviously? I know the practice and I mean look like anything in wine it's never black and white but yeah. um, when I'm feeling grumpy I'll take a fairly you know hardline approach on at least Yarra Valley is that I think we can still dry farm mm-hmm. um, well of course we can dry farm we've got examples of it in uh, you know not a lot but certainly a few vineyards including uh, Yarra Yering, Mount Mary yeah. Um, there's a few other examples, and so we're we're employing that ourselves, and um, we think that really helps the plant. You you have to accept there's going to be a smaller crop load, and that the natural capacity of the plant will be reduced um, because your inputs are obviously less. But we have seen great examples where plants are able to keep adapting and coping, and if you're not putting water out. I mean, we've seen growing tips appear late in dry growing seasons because clearly the plants have kept searching for water and then found some. Mm. And I think if you're putting the water out there, then you probably, well, you're definitely not giving the plant the incentive to go searching. So do they end up sitting in shallower topsoil and therefore the soil temperatures have a greater impact? Um, yeah, we're, we're very adamant that when it's the right, right role for us in terms of water consumption and usage and you look at you know how much the Yarra River is down in terms of water catchment and that's you know essentially due to agriculture yeah um I think we've got a responsibility there especially while the vineyards are are certainly viable um without those inputs so and then for me the other part of that is if we're farming um we've got five sites across the Yarra if we want to see what those differences are if we keep bringing the farming um, to the fore and it's unified across the the blocks, then are we potentially losing some of those idiosyncrasies that, you know, would be otherwise, you know, visible. So by taking the water away, we think we're getting greater visibility of each site. Mm, yeah, right. Um, yeah. I mean, Mark, talking about Mark Heisman, he was talking about one of the, the blocks that he, he has in Burgundy and he said, you know, it's so dry because of the clay belt underneath and the crop's so small they get virtually no seeds and um, and he was talking about this in Maurice and Denis but he said if um, if it was in Australia you'd probably irrigate and then you get bigger berries and you get your seeds and the whole personality would be completely different now clearly there's a cost attached to that in terms of tiny yields and things like that but if you're wanting to see what that patch of dirt really expresses then the role of water can have a huge impact in changing that that expression. Yeah, right. It's um, it is fascinating when you when you you know really start getting into it. Oh, um, I love it. Like the, the the amount that we don't understand, and we think, oh well, we can just fix this problem. And by fixing one problem, you're altering a whole host of other you know mm. other factors. And 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 I think um, you know, I think it's probably. Yeah, for us, the opportunity to farm multiple sites and seeing the contradictions of good intention and then potentially where you, you erode some of those 
you know, bigger ambitions or sense of responsibilities. You know, I think it's, it's well, it's very exciting and it's very humbling. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Mother Nature is in charge, really. Yes, and, <laughs> and we can obstruct and get in the way even when we're meaning, meaning well. Yeah, yeah. That's um, fascinating. Um, I still remember one time when we chatted and you, um, you were talking about trying wine during the, the, during the week and, you know, maybe, you know, open, open three or four bottles of Pinot yeah. and try, you know, each one each night and see how it evolves over, over the time in over that week. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's stuck with me that one because it, it really, that's what wine's about, isn't it? And, and obviously growing it as well. Um, you know, that evolution. Yeah, it's, it's never ending. I I mean, we've got obviously with harvest on our doorstep, we've got all the interns about to arrive and that in itself is exciting because you think, well, you know, one, we're going to get to look at a lot of wines, but two, how do we introduce them to the Yarra and just that energy, but the first impressions and them getting to know the sites and it's still really fun watching that story build for people. Have you got lots of um, internationals coming? Yeah, we've got, um, we take in about four every year. Um, Are they winemakers typically or viticulturists? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Um, Just trying to think. Everyone's certainly got experience uh, this year. I think a couple of formally trained, guy out of Burgundy, uh, a couple of Americans and, um, yeah, and a Melbourne Melbourne girl. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it looks like it's going to be a good mix of people. Well, that, that'll be fun. So when do they arrive? They start really from now. Right. Um, get them in the vineyards. I mean, we want them to get a sense of when the fruit's coming in, that it's not just arriving on a trailer or, you know, to go out and let's, you know, get exposed to each site. So, and you, and you see them all form different relationships with the block before the fruit comes in. And then when the fruit does come in, you know that they've already got their preferred blocks that they <laughs> they have a connection with, and so then you can say, right, why don't you look after that parcel? We yeah. know you love that, yeah. And they they have these attachments and connections, which really is what it's all about. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? That and obviously there's passion there if they're if they're picking that up, you know, straight away. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. And that's who you'd, who you want to hire, I suppose. Because do you get a lot of like if you're taking in five, would you have thirty people applying? The numbers have certainly crept up the last uh, twelve months again. So I think clearly with what, what had gone on in the world, um, inquiries had shrunk quite a bit, but yeah. it's exploded again. Everyone is certainly back out there, and um, I mean we're seeing it with trade visits. We're seeing it with um, private private you know visits and then certainly the the applications for work are coming in you know pretty thick and furious fast and furious from overseas as well mm. oh that's great it's better than better than what it was where people were struggling to to get everything off because they didn't have the manpower absolutely yeah, yeah. um now i'll let you go shortly but i just want to um update people with how they can engage with mac forbes wines um obviously uh, MacForbes.com is your uh, website. Yep, um, And then um, uh, Instagram would be somewhere that they could follow to um, to get an sort of an up to date about the pop ups and things. I guess because that's more. Yeah, immediate. that's easy. I mean, our mailing list is like we're doing a, an 
experimental batch retrospective at the winery on the 18th of Feb, um, which will put that out to mailing list and then um, we'll probably put it through Instagram a little bit as well. So that that's um, that's pretty exciting. We've made you know in excess of 90 experiments over the years, so it's the first time we're going to open up you know probably in excess of 50 or 60 of them and just have them um, in a room where people can walk around um, and try and make notes yeah. and um, sort of felt like it was a good time just before harvest. We often do it with all the interns coming through and then you're left with a lot of bottles that are sitting there open because we opened too many and I thought, well, it's actually a really nice thing to share because they're not all great wines. Some experiments have gone sideways or haven't, you know, <laughs> haven't, haven't evolved the way you would have hoped, but that's the whole point of the experiment. Yeah, it's what do you learn from that? Is the you're point working in the safety margins all the time. It's, you know, you're not actually learning much. So it's um, have a look at the, I guess, some of the successes and some of the failures and, and um, I don't know, make what you want of it. Um, so uh, I'm on your website now. So if people go to macforbes.com and then uh, the cellar door, then yeah. you, there's a, a link there to the mailing list to sign yourself up. Um, yep. And so that Sunday the 18th, the um, that tasting, is that something you need to book in for? Yeah, we'll we'll um, we'll sell those tickets, um, and just so we can manage the numbers, really. Yeah. Um, but there'll be a morning session and afternoon session, so I think we're going to send out an email this week about that. Okay. Well, then that's now it's, it's timely for everyone to to sign up. Um, what else? How else can we um, engage? Uh, you mentioned yeah. a Melbourne pop up. Is that is there one coming? Uh, we did one for um, recently just for all our new Rieslings at Chibi in Collingwood. So we just sort of, I guess we want to just keep it fresh for ourselves and not, you know, if it, it's um, there's so many people we love in the, the hospital sure. industry. So without having a, a restaurant or cellar door, you know, formally ourselves, it's just a let's see what fits and, and what makes sense at the time. So um, Instagram and, and, yeah, the mailing list are the two key ways that we, we communicate those. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, then that's what we need to do. Uh, and um, yeah, any any other things of note that we should cover before I let you go? Well, there's probably a million. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just think it's um, it's a great time to be to be celebrating uh, the Yarra. I, I mean, we don't have a cellar door, but I should say if anyone's coming out to the Yarra and they're just even if they haven't been for a while and they're trying to get an overview, Mike, um, Claire, Emmett at Barique Wine Store in the main street of Hillsville, they have yeah. been there a bit over 12 months, but they are doing an unbelievable job with um, just representing the, re- the region. And they've got a lot of the new names that, you know, no one's heard of and they've got a good collection of the, the older family estates all the way through. So if anyone's coming out and just doesn't know where to start, I would be heading first to Barik and to chatting to them and they are so helpful. Oh, that, that's yeah, that's a great tip. Um, I always point people to the, the Heathcote Wine Hub um, mm-hmm. when they go to Heathcote for the first yeah. time because same thing, you get this fantastic overview. You know, they've got a map on the wall that can say, right, this is here and this is here and, um, and you know, the bit of an outline of, of the, you know, the region and so that's obviously – Talking with with the guys at Barique, um, so that's in the main street of Hillsville. Yeah, a couple of doors down from the Hillsville Hotel. Yep. Um, and yeah, there's a little bar and tasting room, and there's a sort of there's out outside out the back. You can sit down, and quite often there's a food truck. But 
they will put together a little lineup of wines if you just want an overview. So we'll um, we we send a lot of people there. So you know you get people coming to the winery, you know whether it's trade or, or public, and um, they'll come in for by appointment and you get an in-depth tasting. But then they're like, oh, but we want to get a broader view, and they go in there and have just such a fantastic um, experience there. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's open. I think seven days a week, and yeah, everyone there is. You know, fantastic with their knowledge and generosity. Yeah, and Hillsville's just coming into its own now. I'm, I feel there's so much to do, and you know, I say it on this show all the time. It's you know, go and do some tastings at wineries in the morning, drink, drop your car, yep. and at lunchtime, and and then spend the afternoon in Hillsville. There's so much to do, including Barique, as we're saying. Yeah, exactly. It's um, you know, from one end at Jadenong and Watts yeah. River and four pillars right through. So, um, yeah, you can do a lot by foot, which is a nice way to finish the day. Yeah, uh, 100% it is. Um, Mac, good luck with Vintage, mate. Um, and uh, enjoy all of the, the newbies coming over, the, the uh, helpers. Um, yeah, the shot in the arm, that's what we need. Yeah, it sounds fun. And it, as you say, it's a, it's a good reason to open some things. And, and do they all bring some wine from where they're from? Yeah, they do. Um, which always brings about interesting... I mean, we serve everything blind, um, Mm -hmm. which I think... uh, I mean, they they serve our wines blind to us as well at at lunch or dinner, but we reserve the right to do the same for them. And, (laughs) uh, yeah, they're from producers and they're a few weeks into vintage and tired and they haven't tried any of their own wines for a while and you put one in front of them blind. Um, You know, it can can gather some fairly honest uh, feedback and... (laughs) It's, um, but it's amazing. It, you know, we, we have conversations for years after some of those moments because they're often, you know, often quite, you know, and I've experienced them myself when you're far more, you know, objective and, and the bias isn't quite as strong that you often make observations you wouldn't otherwise make. So, yeah, there's some great moments. It sounds like a really fun time. So enjoy it and, um, and we'll chat at the other end of it and, and see how it all went. Once yeah, well, if you're out, out this way, you know, come and say hello. Will do, definitely will do.